The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. We are, as always, striving to be your public radio source for the motivation and inspiration that you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And true to the tradition of many, many years, in fact, as of two weeks from now, 20 years on Real Life Real Estate Investing. I know, I found the, I found the email from the very first show we ever did. I think I do. I think it's on a tape, though. Do we still have tape players? Yeah. <laughs> we can rerun that because you can you can hear the bottle of Pepto Bismol sitting beside the microphone as I was trying to you know keep it under control at that time. And my very first guest was Robert Sheeman, who is actually still around. I just got an email from him the other day. Um, in any case, uh, yeah. So we've been doing this for a long time, and for a very long time. The last Wednesday of the month has been reserved for question and answer week, which is your opportunity, of course, listeners, to ask any questions that you might have uh, about um, anything we've talked about, anything you've thought about, anything you've heard online or read on the web that you'd like to know more about, anything's going on in your own business. You can ask your questions from now until roughly 5.50 p.m. at 877-772-9658. That's, of course, our toll-free call-in number, 877-772-9658. Or you can ask them by going to our website, which is realliferealestate.com, and uh, going to the Ask a Question tab. Fill that out. Hit the send button. Please let us know where you're writing from. I can ask you that if you're on the phone, but if I get an email, of course, I you know can't email you back and say where you're from. Uh, and uh, the question will come here, and I will get that answered as well. So any question that you have is sort of uh, up for potential answering today. You just you do have to ask it, though. I can't can't read your mind. I'm working on that. I'm taking a, an online class right now about how to read people's minds. And I paid a fortune for it because they really made it sound really, really good. And uh, so far, not not too much effect. So again, to ask a question, go to realliferealestate.com. Fill in the ask a question, go to the ask a question tab and fill in your question. Let it, letting me know where you are writing from. Or alternatively, call 877-772-9658. 
Also, while you're at realliferealestate.com, you might want to join our mailing list because each week we are sending out emails telling you that the show's coming up, what the topic is, giving you that reminder not to miss it live. I know you can listen to it on the podcast, but it's not as good because you have a question. You can't ask the podcast. And also there's always an article by or about or on the same topic as our guests. Uh, this week's article is about the real estate generation gap and how folks who are very into the flipping, flipping, flipping of properties have a lot to learn from the folks who are very into buy and hold and vice versa. So join our mailing list while you're at realliferealestate.com. Uh, that's also how I get questions in advance of the program, which is always good on these Q&A shows because folks tend to be kind of shy about picking up the phone and calling 877-772-9658 until they've heard a couple of other people ask questions. Uh, here is a question from Eric, who does not say where he is from. Uh, he says, I am in conversation with a company that claims to have access to off-market deals. All I have to do is fill out a form to show my buying criteria along with proof of funds, and they will search the property and properties and present me with as many as I can take each month. These houses can be as pretty or as ugly as I want. After they present me with a match, I get about eight days to do due diligence, and unless I find something really wrong, I am bound to close on it. Oh, <laughs> I'd be... I'd be very interested to see the contract that forces you to close on a deal because they showed it to you. I assume what that means is that is that they'll take you off the list or something. Oh, Eric did tell me where he's from. Lake Mary. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I slandered Eric. At the bottom it says, Eric from Lake Mary, Florida. Uh, let's see. So let me go on. Um, I'm bound to close on it unless I find some serious regularities with property. Sounds good until you see that there is a clause for dispute resolution in the agreement and a 10% escrow deposit requirement. I'm sure that I have to get more details on what the specifics of the dispute resolution may be, but I wanted to know if you had any experience with this kind of deal. There are no upfront fees and they say they are only trying to build their list of buyers due to the access they have to REO properties. Well, Eric, um, if you had sent me the link to whoever's page this is, I probably could have told you exactly what they were doing. As it is, I'm going to have to guess. And what I'm going to guess, and I'm, I'm giving myself an 85% probability of being correct about this, is that what you are dealing with here is either a hedge fund or a broker for a hedge fund or for multiple hedge funds that buys REO packages and then sends out... So they buy them, you know, they buy them maybe 120 of them a month or something like that. And then they try and sell them off one by one or in small packages. Because all of this sounds sort of like the pitches I have gotten from those places. We have off-market REOs. Well, yeah, because you you either bought them or you have some, hopefully have an agreement with the hedge fund who does own them to broker them. Uh, the quick closing requirement the, the the short due diligence, the 10% escrow deposit, all of this sounds to me like stuff I have heard from uh, hedge funds that are doing this. Now, having said that, there are, as with any business, I suppose, a variety, a bell curve of these, of these places in terms of... Um, 
how good are their deals? How much are they how much are they trying to take out of them versus letting you keep? Um, how organized are they? How ethical are they, etc. And you don't necessarily know the answer to that unless you ask around about that particular fund or company or until you've dealt with them. And the thing that that I have seen go wrong in the in deals almost exactly like the one you're describing here is um I got a spate of complaints perhaps about a year ago about a company that was taking people's escrow money. So they were saying they were saying same thing that they were saying to you. Here's the list of properties. Tell us what you want. Okay, you want that one. Now you got to send us 10% of your offer price. And then the company was not in fact acquiring the property in question. So in other words, they they didn't own the property. They were trying to broker it from another hedge fund and either the other either the other hedge fund didn't accept the offer because what was happening was you were giving them the money that they were making the offer. And then the company that actually owned it didn't accept the offer. So you got told, oh, sorry, even though we said it was $70,000 and we took $7,000 of your money, there's no property. Or the property, say, you know, same scenario, I don't own it. I'm taking your money and then making an offer on it. The property is already gone because these these the broker in the situation here didn't actually have control of the properties and didn't know when they sold. So that wasn't the big problem because, you know, getting, getting backdoor access to bank owned properties is, is, is worth a little bit of hassle. Maybe the problem was the, the, the company was not then quickly refunding the escrowed funds. So you think if they made the offer and the bank or the hedge fund or whoever they were making the offer to said, oh yeah, the property's gone or no, we're not selling it for that price, that they would immediately wire you your money back. They sure they sure as heck wanted you to wire it fast, right? Well, I was talking to people who three and four months later hadn't gotten their money back. And when they did get it back, it was short by three or $400 because it was a quote processing fee or it was a quote wiring fee. I've never been charged $400 to wire 7,000, but that's what these folks were being told. So you gotta, I mean, you're, you're, you're right that you're right that you're, senses are tingling here but the first part of the process where you don't have to pay anything is probably worth going through so you know tell them what you're looking for and see what they send you and then do your own due diligence on what they've sent you because here's 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 the way that I found out what was going on with this company I was getting all these complaints about because none of the none of the folks who had whose money was in escrow that they couldn't get back were able to give me any insider detail into what was going on. I went and looked up the property ownership on all the properties. And that's how I found out that the, that the company that was brokering them didn't own them. They were all owned by the same company. As it turned out, they were all actually available publicly for sale, even though these folks were told they were off market. They were not in fact off market. They were in my MLS. Um, and so that was how I was able to work out what was going on. So if they send you five properties and you go do some due diligence, and sure enough, this company owns all five properties, then you're direct to the owner. That's that's good. Uh, you should, in fact, look at that con- uh, that uh, dispute clause because 
tell you another story about that maybe after the break here, but um, you should look at that. You should look at the contracts. Obviously, don't, don't, never sign anything that you're not happy with, even if the deal looks otherwise good. Uh, but if, if there's a if there's a piece here that you can do without committing yourself to anything, go ahead and do it and just see what happens from there. So uh, appreciate your question, Eric. If you have a question for Real Life Real Estate, you can give us a call at 877 877- Seven seven two nine six five eight, or alternatively, you can do what Eric did and go to the website. The address is realliferealestate.com. Click the Ask a Question button. It'll come in via email. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and it's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. Uh, we are taking questions here. By we, I mean myself and Mike. Anything I can answer, Mike's going to jump in and help me out here because he's listened to this show so many times. 15 of the 20 years. <laughs> For 15 of the 20 years it's been on that he is probably just as qualified as I am to answer most of these questions. <laughs> 877-772-9658 is the number to call. Uh, you can also send in an email, and the way to do that is uh, go to realliferealestate.com and uh, fill in the ask a question button. I, I'm, I'm sorry I sound distracted here. I'm actually trying to pull up a contract that someone sent me the other day to read the world's craziest clause. I mean, it's it's ridiculous and and Eric had asked the question about um the dispute resolution clause and it it put me in mind of this of this contract that somebody had sent me that they were also trying to get out of and uh if I can't find it the effectively what the clause said was if you have any problem with anything we've done here so this is the this is the seller writing this right it 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 in, in english it said if you have any problem with anything we've done here um you agree to not go to court but instead to go to arbitration and guess who the arbitrator is I've never seen anything like this because because there, there's there's when you say when you say we're agreeing to go to arbitration, you're usually being we agree to go to like a formal process run by a third party that is there's you know some American Association of Arbitrators or something that that uh, trains people to do this. In this in this particular clause, the arbitrator was the company selling the property, so it was basically if you don't like what you what we've done, tell us and we'll tell you what we're going to do about it, and you agree not to sue us. <laughs> So lesson there, of course, is um, always, always, always uh, read the contracts. <laughs> so if you have any questions, if you have any questions, 877-772-9658 or realliferealestate.com will also get you uh, to a page that will send us an email. Let's see. Um this one question is from Darren. Uh, he didn't say where he's from, but I believe that he is from uh, the Detroit area, if it's the same Darren with the same spelling that I'm thinking of. 
He says, hey, Vina, got a question about when a seller property doesn't need any repairs or very little repairs. After you do the comps, is there a landlord or certain percentage according to the MAO formula? I know about 65% minus repairs equals MAO. What if the property doesn't need any work? Also, if you don't use a comp service, what's the best way to determine value? And then he says, I think you should do a webinar on this subject. (laughs) Sure, Darren, what the heck? Let's do one right now. Um, actually, I do do a webinar on that on that subject for folks who are Inner Circle members, including our 10 or 12 new members from a couple of weeks ago here on WMKV. But um, so so basically, if you're looking at a property that doesn't need any repairs and you're trying to decide what to pay for it, strictly speaking, you still want to pay really 70% of the after repaired value, less repair costs, repair costs being zero. So if it's a $100,000 property, you want to pay roughly $70,000 for it. However, um, number one, a lot of people will pay more than that for that property just because of the convenience factor of not having to do any work. So they might think that $75,000 is a really good deal for a $100,000 property that doesn't need any work. And secondly, it's really rare. It's not rare to see a property like that. I mean, they're all over the place. It's rare for an investor to get a deal on a property like that. Because let's let's flip this around and stop thinking about what Darren wants, what's best for Darren, and think instead about what is the seller want and what is best for the seller. And a seller with a perfect property, something that doesn't need any work at all, whether it's a homeowner type property or a rental property, probably has better options than selling it for 70 cents on the dollar or even 75 cents on the dollar, even if he's very anxious to sell it. So in other words, um, even in a fire sale, (laughs) Somebody with a perfect property can generally get 85 or 90 cents on the dollar for it. Now, that doesn't mean that that's what you should pay, Darren. That's what that's what somebody might pay if they were looking for a, a true turnkey situation. They weren't really interested in cash flow. They were interested in tax breaks and long-term appreciation. That might be what a homeowner would pay because their use for it has really nothing to do with profit potential at all. But um, for those of us who are in the real estate business, we not, we need to get a discount on our properties, both to increase the cash flow and to make sure that we've cashed for some equity. Now, the there's always a but, right? The exception to that is if the seller is also providing some financing. If a seller's got a property in perfect shape and they're also willing to finance it for you, you're willing to pay a lot closer to 100% of value, like 85, 90% of value. But again, that's um, that's if, if, if. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing Question and Answer Week here on Real Life Real Estate. Uh, you can send an email just by going to realliferealestate.com. Or alternatively, you can uh, send, you can, you can give us a call. That's kind of the quick way to get through at 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658. We just have one more question here in the uh, in the hopper. So, hey, you got a question, please. I'm begging you. 
call or send it into realliferealestate.com. This one is from Rodney. He says, I am interested in purchasing a commercial car wash. This property has been sitting vacant, non-operational for a couple of years. It was last for sale in 2014. I talked to the agent and he said the property was leased at that time. I cannot find out who leased this property or if it can be purchased. Can the property be bought from the lease. How do I find out who is leasing? I have checked the auditor site and can only find the owner's name. Any help or guidance would be much appreciated. I'm 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 slightly confused by the question here, Rodney, because you you seem kind of obsessed with finding out who the last lessee was, but at the beginning you say you're interested in purchasing the property. So I don't know what you care who the lessee was. Um, They have either broken their lease or their lease expired, or it's entirely possible, though in the case of a car wash, unlikely, that they're still making payments on the lease despite it being non-operational. If you want to buy it, you need to contact the owner. You You can't purchase the property from the lessee. Now, the other thing that I would say, you know, my my area of expertise is really not commercial properties, but uh, that doesn't mean I don't have an opinion (laughs) about them. Um, If it's been sitting non-operational since 2014, I don't know that it really even matters what the last lessee was paying because a purpose-built building like a car wash, it's not like you're going to convert that to something else. If it it was built as a car wash, it's a car wash, right? You're not going to turn it into a McDonald's or something. Uh, I would mad. I would imagine that after going going two years without a tenant in it, that it might need some serious retrofitting. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure you could just boom, let's lease it to somebody else. So I, you know, I talk to the owner, find out what his deal is. You say it was last for sale in 2014, but not whether or not it's sold in 2014, but you've got the owner's name. Call him if you can find his number, write him if you cannot find his number and uh, find out from him what the situation is because he's the only one who can really sell it to you. Uh, But thank you very much for your question, Rodney. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're going to take a quick break. If you have any questions, uh, send them to realliferealestate.com or alternatively uh, give us a call at 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vienna Jones-Cox. If you're the person who's been calling for the last 10 minutes, it's uh, uh, during the break. They didn't pick up because Mike was doing announcements, but stay there. He'll get you. You can always stay in touch with Real Life Real Estate on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Real Life Real Estate Radio or by joining our email list at realliferealestate.com. We almost always have a special gift of some sort for listeners at realliferealestate.com. Right now it is a uh, free ebook called The Guru Manifesto. And uh, you can read all about that and find out about the truth about the real estate education industry. 
Um, but always make sure that you are keeping in touch with Real Life Real Estate, either on Facebook or at realliferealestate.com. All right, let's go to the phones and talk to Bob, who is patiently, patiently calling from Columbia, South Carolina. Bob, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, Vina, love your show. I listen to you every week. Well, yay. Thank you, Bob. So, i got a question for you, Vina. I have a contractor who's a friend. He keeps on finding these rundown properties that are bank-owned, REO, Fannie Mae-owned, HUD-owned, and he keeps on insisting if you take a bunch of pictures and send it in with your offer, that's going to change their mind. I'm trying to tell him it's an exercise in futility. Is he right? Yeah, is he sitting, there, is he sitting there with you so that I can tell him it's an exercise in futility? No, he's not. <laughs> well, he can he can listen to the he can listen to the podcast later. Bob's friend, the contractor. You're wasting your time now. You know, twenty years ago, that was actually a really viable strategy because you know the banks weren't the banks didn't have ways that their asset managers could take digital pictures, upload them to a website, send it to them, give them a BPO, update that monthly which is, you know, that's the job now of the asset manager and the and the realtor is to give the bank a monthly update on condition, new pictures, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, we used to do that because many times if it was an out-of-town bank, they literally didn't know what kind of shape their property was in. And, mm-hmm. and, and you were notifying them by, by giving, them, giving them the photos. Right now, okay, A, they know <laughs> you, you sending them pictures isn't going isn't gonna to do anything. And B... There is no way for the agent to submit those pictures to the bank anyway. There's no. It, it, mm-hmm. Remember back in the day when the way we presented offers was we folded them up and put them in envelopes and took them over to somebody's office, <laughs> and the, the pictures would be in there too. That's not how it works anymore, right? I mean, you, most of the like Fannie Mae and HUD and um, uh, even some of the bigger banks, you know, uh, Wells Fargo and Bank of America are are all using bidding sites now. Where, where you go in and you enter your offer, and I haven't found the button where it says upload pictures. Ah, so, okay. so, so even the ones, even the ones where there's, there's not that many banks left anymore that, um, you, th- that the process is you, you make an offer to the agent and the agent uploads it. But even where that is the case, the agent has got, hasn't got any place to put these photos. So yes, it is. That's one of those kind of. It's it's old information. It was good information twenty years ago, but the world has moved on. So Bob, you are right. He is wrong. Okay. So the so best thing we can do is just even. I mean, the offer is significantly lower than what they have it listed for. The best we can do is just submit the offer and maybe maybe not. Right. Yeah. My my philosophy is if I have bothered to go see a property, I'm going to submit the offer. Even if okay. I because because I've done I've already done eighty percent of the work. Right. I went out and I looked at it and analyzed that I've spent 80% of the time I'm going to spend. It's not that big a deal to go ahead and, and send them an offer. And, you know, I, sometimes sometimes I'll get a, an agent who yells at me and says, the bank's never going to accept that offer. And I say, well, but maybe you'll get a price reduction down to something more reasonable now. You're welcome. So, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and, and not only submit it, but, but then resubmit it every 30 days until they... Okay. Sell it to somebody else or sell it to you. Okay, thanks, Vina. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Bob, and thank you for your call. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, 877 is how Bob got to us just now. And 
Uh, we've only got about 15 minutes of good question answering here left, after which there will only be bad question answering. I, you know, sometimes you say stuff on live radio and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to edit that out. And then you realize you're on live radio and you can't. We've only got 15 minutes left in the show. <laughs> so uh, if you have any questions, uh, please get them in right now. Go to realliferealestate.com to the uh, question and answer form or give us a call at 877 877- Seven seven two nine six five eight. Um, okay, so Darren reminds me that he had a second part to his question, and the second part was, how do you get comparable sales if you don't have a comparable properties service? And the answer to that question, Darren, is um, you do the best you can. You usually if. Usually when people tell me they have not subscribed to one of the comparable property services, um, be that Haynes or RealQuest or um, there's, there's a bunch of companies that have uh, comp services built on uh, some of those other data systems, it's a budgetary issue, right? I, I can't spend the $1,000 a year it, it costs to subscribe to that. And that needs to go on your on your vision board of when I do my first deal, then I'm going to go subscribe to this because it makes my life so much easier. Uh, until then, as you're probably aware, there are a whole lot of free uh, property valuing websites, right? There's Zillow, there's Trulia, there's House Values, there's HomeSnap, there's, I mean, even Realtor.com is, is jumping into that game to some extent. The the thing that you positively do not want to do with any of those sites is you don't want to depend upon the estimated value. It's called an AVM. It's called an an automated valuation model that pops up when you put the address in. So I will give you the most recent example that I've seen of this. I was talking to a seller a few months ago who has a lovely, lovely property in a very depressed area. And the property itself, um, although it's got, you know, a lot of square footage and some beautiful features, actually needs quite a bit of work. And by quite a bit, I mean close to $200,000 worth. It's a very big house. Um, They were very anxious to get $180,000 for that house because they had gone to several of these sites and when they put in the address it was giving them quote giving them a value of anywhere from 193 was the lowest one to i think the highest one i saw was in the high 200s so it was it was like like a 193 to 274 or something like that is what the automated valuation model came up with as a value for this property Now, the reality is when you looked at actual comparable sales, in other words, not not what did this this computer program generate from numbers we don't even understand, but what did things actually sell for? The highest sale price within two years, within a quarter of a mile of this property in in the same neighborhood was like 110. And that house was completely fixed up. But the seller was so convinced that because all of these different websites had said the property was worth north of 190, that 180 was a great deal. So 
uh, the automated valuation models are not they're, they're, they're almost literally like a joke in the industry. You know, people people make fun of a I won't say which site, but a particular very famous website uh, that that uses that as a sort of a come on to um, to buyers and sellers about how much their property might be worth. Uh, so please don't use those. Now, if you dig a little further into the data on any of these sites, most of them do have some place within the bowels of the site and it sometimes takes two or three you have to click through two or three screens to find it actual sold properties you don't care what properties are listed you don't care what properties are in foreclosure you don't care what the tax valuations of any of the surrounding properties are you're looking for the actual comparable sales actual comparable sales and that's what you are going to have to work your way through until you can go out and get yourself one of these subscriptions. And that, again, should be at the top of your wish list. Like for Christmas, when your family says, what do you want? You should say, I want a subscription to a comparable properties system so that I can easily and quickly get comps and not have to spend 45 minutes digging around in these public websites that weren't really set up for this. Although, again, that's the that's the come on of the site for folks like you and me. The, the real business model of those sites is to get real estate agents to advertise and to pay the sites so that when I am a when I'm looking at my property, I say, oh, my gosh, it turns out that my three bedroom house in Price Hill is worth one point one million dollars, according to this automated valuation model. Then there's like three agents over there that I can click and like hire them to sell my house because it's worth, you know, a thousand times what I paid for it. Those agents pay to be up there. That's the business model, not getting you accurate comps. So you're probably going to need to pay to get yourself some accurate comps. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. you got about 10 more minutes to get a question in at 877-772-9658 or by going to our website at realliferealestate.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I want to remind all of the Inner Circle members who are members through WMKV that the webinar this evening is at 8 o'clock. It is about private money and credit partners and you were sent an incorrect link to get signed up for it yesterday but then that was followed up with an email with a corrected link in it so Got a couple of emails while I'm sitting here from people saying, I tried to click that link and it didn't it didn't go anywhere. It said the webinar was over. I get it, but uh, you were sent a corrected link. And if you uh, if you still are not um, seeing it, you can you have my email address and you can email me and I'll send it to you before the class tonight. If you would like to get yourself signed up for the Inner Circle and get in on these special webinars, go to realliferealestate.com. Up in the upper left-hand corner, you will see a uh, link that says get started with the Inner Circle for $5. And uh, you can do that at realliferealestate.com. 
Okay, have a question here from Linda, who is here in the greater Cincinnati area. Uh, Linda says, Vina, I am considering selling my personal residence and carrying back a mortgage for the buyer. The reason is I actually think I owe a little more than I could probably sell the property for. I'm wondering what the pros and cons are of this and what I need to do about the Dodd-Frank Act. Well, uh, Linda, assuming that your your um, this is you said this is your personal residence. Assuming that this is the only property that you are going to sell in this twelve month period. So from the day you sell it for twelve months, you're not going to do it again. You're not going to sell any other properties that way. Uh, you actually don't have to worry too much about the Dodd Frank Act. You you fall. Into, into the biggest exception, which is folks who are selling their primary residence. Uh, also, if there's any chance, I doubt it, but if there's any chance that you would be selling it to a real estate investor, then you don't have to worry about the Dodd-Frank Act because it only applies when you are selling to homeowners. So from that perspective, you are probably okay. I would go back to the podcasts on realliferealestate.com and find the one about Dodd-Frank. Um, we've actually done a couple of those and there's, you know, an hour long discussion about things you, you do and don't need to worry about in regards to the Dodd-Frank Act. Uh, what worries me a little bit more here is the idea of you giving up your title, the deed to your property, uh, to a stranger who apparently cannot qualify for their own loan because in Ohio, and I assume since you're from Cincinnati that this property is in Ohio, uh, if you have to foreclose on that person, you are going to be in a long drawn out process that might actually cost you more than the quote profits you'd be making by doing things this way. So I would suggest, unless there's some compelling reason that you have to not do things this way, that perhaps you should consider a lease option instead of what you are considering, which is called a wraparound mortgage. It's, that's what you're, you're trying to put together here as a wraparound mortgage. Um, Lease options give you a lot more flexibility. For instance, if the if your if your buyer, and really they're a tenant in a lease option, not a buyer, uh, does not does not make the payments, then you are uh, a landlord. So you can you can evict them, which is you know all things being equal is going to take you forty five days, not thirteen months like a foreclosure might. The reason that most people want to do a mortgage instead of a lease option is they think they can get more money up front for the property, and that 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 may be true, but you have to weigh that against the potential cost and time involved in foreclosing because you realize that if you foreclose out your buyer, you're going to have to notify your bank that you are foreclosing on the property that they have the loan on. Now you, you can you can foreclose from second position and not actually foreclose your bank out, but they're probably gonna get wind of it. And I don't know if you really wanna be explaining that either. So my suggestion would be look into lease options, knowing a little bit about what I 
the little bit that I know at this point about that. Uh, about five minutes left here on Real Life Real Estate. Time for one more quick question at 877-772-9658. If not, I am going to uh, answer this question from Todd in New Jersey. Todd says, I was wondering if you could suggest a target mailing list for wholesaling uh, most of the lists that I see, such as out-of-state owners who have high equity, are being very heavily marketed to by people in my area. Is there some other category to which you would suggest mailing where the competition is not quite as high? Well, uh, my answer to that, Todd, is there. there's really not a list out there where you're going to you're going to magically discover a source of relatively motivated sellers who will respond to you in the, you know, 5% of the mailings you do sort of range that other people aren't quote hammering because all of the, all of the things that you can think of out of state owners, probates, um, uh, foreclosures, etc., other people know about and can get. I would say that out-of-state owners who also have high equity might be a little too tight a list. Like you might, you might be, you might be trying to find the best of all possible worlds here, and out-of-state owners all by themselves are are probably a good target. You don't you don't have to look for the ones with eighty to one hundred percent equity. Um, those those quote high equity lists are not not real lists to begin with um it's uh it's a list it's a list of people where the list company is comparing what they paid for the property to what it is worth now and assuming they're they're doing a some math where they're assuming they got a certain amount of a loan at the beginning and never refinanced and any of those things could be incorrect so long story short i would stop trying to narrow it down to just the people who have high equity and and do your out of town list. So the question is if quote everybody is is quote hammering, these are your words, all of these lists, why should you bother at all? And the answer is the people who make lots of deals in the real estate business are people who consistently market not just to market, but who market consistently because 90% of your competitors do a mailing here and there. It may not be a good mailing. It may not be a, an effective mailing. Um, it certainly isn't something where they're following up regularly. And they make a few deals, yeah, but they don't get a consistent stream of deals because they don't consistently market I was telling folks the other day on my Facebook page that if if you had one hour a day to spend on real estate and all you did during that hour a day was direct mail marketing and following up on that marketing, you would very quickly be in the top 5% of all real estate investors in the number of deals you were doing because of course it would it would snowball. That's the most important activity in your business in a market where inventory is tight is finding deals, generating leads, dealing with those leads. And if you can do that consistently, 
not just the marketing part, but also the dealing with the leads part, you quickly start doing deals and then you have more money and you have more time and you can do more marketing and then pretty soon you're full time because you're making so much money that you don't have to work a job anymore. And then, you know, the world is your oyster if you can keep it going. If you're spending your time doing a bunch of other stuff, if you're spending your time watching yet another webinar that's selling you yet another course on yet another topic and you haven't even used the courses that you already have or you are on YouTube watching yet another video from yet another guru about yet another thing that they think you ought to know or you're designing your logo or you're figuring out the name for your LLC or you're figuring out how to use the property management software for properties you don't own yet but you bought anyway for some reason that's you being in the 95% if what you're doing is looking for deals and dealing with the outcomes of those deals that's what's going to make you very successful very quickly so uh, appreciate your question Todd uh, this has been real life real estate investing question and answer week and of course really appreciate all the folks who sent in or called in with questions this week we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then happy investing happy investing